0: Cloudcast Media.
1: Welcome to Your Next Mission podcast with the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilly. Proudly presented by Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans.
0: Hello out there, veterans and families, and welcome to Your Next Mission, a new program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and your host, and, and we have a great show for you today. In fact, we have an exceptional show. We're going to focus on the Sergeant Major of the Army's Fellowship Program. And I also have a couple of stories for you, including one from our guest, Sergeant Major Christopher Rick, on his advice on how he can help our litner- listeners about their transition. Now before we get started, I want to thank our presenting sponsors. Calver Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans for making your next mission happen. They love our veterans and families. As I mentioned, today's theme is about the Sergeant Major of the Army's Fellowship Program, and I'm so excited to introduce Sergeant Major Christopher Rick, Senior Military Fellow for the Department of Labor, serving on behalf of the Department of Defense and the United States Coast Guard. Uh, welcome, Sergeant Major. So good to have you on the podcast.
2: Well, thank you, SMA Tilly, and thanks for that warm introduction and the opportunity to come on and, you know, discuss some of these important topics with the listeners today.
0: Well, thank you so much, and and we want to hear everything about the, all the Army Fellowship Program and all the things that you do. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit
2: about yourself? Well, uh, SMA Tilly, I'm a career combat medic. I've served uh, 29 years thus far, primarily in parachute infantry regiments and strike brigade combat teams, and. The operational medical, um, arena of the army, um, eighth generation service member married to a military brat huh. who then directly came in to be a military spouse. Um, kind of, you know, at, at this point all my immediate and extended family are either, um, serving actively, uh, veterans or retirees, military spouses or military children. So to say that, uh, military services and family affairs is, Kind of an understatement so that's wow. that's me in a nutshell and and really why uh one of the reasons i really enjoy the opportunity to work in this interagency fellowship space um to really support uh, back to service members and military families
0: yeah it's really funny I'm, I'm the only person in my family my entire family that served other than my father uh i guess i guess there's two of us he went in and, and he got shot uh, uh years ago and then and got out of the service so uh you know, that's, uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for your, what your family has done. There's no question about that. Sergeant Major, can you tell us exactly what is the Sergeant Major of the Army's fellowship program and, and a little bit about the history?
2: Yeah, so um, the Chief of Staff of the Army's had senior fellows for decades. Uh, they primarily worked in academia and think tanks, um, looking at, you know, the big, big ticket um policies and, and problems that the Army specifically was facing. Um, so SMA Dan Daly, uh, really kind of in the 2012-2013 timeframe, uh, started the SMA Senior Fellows Program. And it was really because of the height of the um, drawdown coupled with the recession and the um, almost billion dollar a year unemployment bill that came from uh, Department of Labor to uh, Department of Defense for the 2011 and 2012 time period, uh, supporting recently transitioned service members who could not find employment and went straight on unemployment insurance. Um, that bill comes out of DOD's o m funds. And it, historically, the Army has always had more than half of that bill. So SMA Dan Daly... Went to the chief and the team and said, hey, I want to put some senior SAR majors um, specifically in Department of Labor first for employment. And then a couple of the other federal agencies that really have the most connected tissue back to the services to provide support for service members and military families, both in service, in the transition space, and then post-service. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sergeant. So I'm uh, the fourth in Department of Labor. Uh, we have the first in VA uh, this last year went in, and the second in Department of Education. So that rounds out the SMA's uh, Senior Fellows Program, um, and we're running strong.
0: You know, I was just going to ask,
2: how many do you have right now?
0: So currently you have four. Uh, is, is that, a, is that a, a two-year, three-year assignment?
2: Uh, yeah, so it's, it's three. It's one in Department of Labor, one in VA, and one in Department of Education, Uh, They started off as a one-year fellowship um, consistent with the Chief of Staff of the Army's fellows. Um, SMA Dan Daly made a decision um, a couple cycles ago to extend that out to a two-year fellowship because about the time that we really got the relationships down and learned the organizations and where all the touch points were, it was time to rotate out with the next one that's going in. Um, And these fellowships, although they are classified as a senior fellows program, are more of a um, active LNO type of a um, relationship. We're not over there writing papers and doing you know, academia style stuff. We are looking at policies and programs that directly affect in the next 18 to 24 months, service members and family members. Um, so it's more of an active role in that interagency space, but that senior fellowship tag, especially in the DC area, uh, really affords us a great deal of freedom of maneuver and access. So yeah. the, the classification kind of goes with that.
0: Yeah, I, I used to tell everybody that about 86% of the forces enlist and a lot of the policies and procedures and stuff that you make impact enlisted corps in a great deal. And uh, one of the things that when I was still serving in the military is, is I always tried to make sure there was a senior non-commissioned officer in every large meeting that they had in the Pentagon. So I, I think that's really important because you're really, you're, you're helping the Army, but you're really helping that uh, Enlisted Corps, a great deal, and their families. You know, how do uh, policies and programs in the Department of Labor impact the services?
2: There's there's three real big areas. The first is in-service. So the Department of Labor uh, provides technical support to all of DOD for in-service credentialing. So the DOD credentialing opportunity online platforms that all the services to include Coast Guard now have. um, Really looking at the credentials, That are industry recognized and sought after in the employment space and identifying those through a little chili pepper icon. It's an actual direct lift from Department of Labor systems into DOD systems so service members can take advantage of those. Uh, The second in service for service members is Department of Defense United Services Military Apprenticeship is the largest registered apprenticeship under DOL There's over 108,000 registered apprentices in that, in service. And DOL really um, works with DOD to ensure that the standards for all the occupations, and that's growing um, exponentially, um, translate into post-service employment opportunities in the various industry sectors. Um, And then the third in-service is direct support to military spouses uh, for employment support, so license reportability is a big one that DOL looks at, and then providing some um, support for military spouses through state workforce systems and some of the Employment and Training Administration grants. So that's kind of the in-service piece of it. Uh, a huge role in the transition space, as Department of Labor provides all of the employment curriculum in the TAP program. Um, there's three different modules, everything from, hey, this is how you build your LinkedIn profile and what networking looks like, to this is how you do a labor market analysis. So the, the tap of even 10 years ago is night and day different in the tap of now, and it and is growing exponentially. So always adding new programs into that space. And then when we transition uh, post dd 214 Department of Labor owns this from title and authority for delivering employment support for the veteran community, and it's lifelong employment support. So VA is benefits, healthcare and other benefits. There is some employment um, VRE, and, and crossover there, but it's minimal. The, the primary role of Department of Labor is the employment support space um, in, that, in that veteran status. So that's really kind of the big areas that DOL provides supporting support to DOD and then picks us up in the veteran uh, category.
0: Yeah, I, I would assume you, you talk a lot with the senior in sales, you know, Sergeant Major of the Army, Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, the Master Chief, Petty Officer, Navy, and all those. Do you, do you brief all those guys about existing programs or programs coming up? And that's one, that's one question. The second question is, how long does it take you to get that process through? If you find something you've got to change, What's the, you know, does it take you a year or two years or three years to even get
2: implement something? So uh, the first part of the question, yes, I have quarterly touch points with the SEAC and the service SELs, and then um, semi-annual through the Defense Senior Enlisted Council with COCOM and Sub Unified Command, uh, where I come in and provide them updates on what the current employment space looks like. What the UCX, that unemployment insurance bill to DOD, is looking like and what the trends are. And then some emerging policies that um, Department of Labor is rolling out to help support uh, employment for transitioning service members, military spouses and veterans. The time period, um, some of it is rather quick. I mean, the military spouse employment support, the DOL launched um, last year. That happened in less than 12 months, oh, from wow. curriculum design to um, module um, you know, piloting and receiving feedback directly from military spouses and stakeholders in that employment space to full implementation. Um, and then you can imagine some of the um, larger programs and policies that support it, especially legislatively driven programs, take a little bit longer. So they start going into the Legislative cycle, whether it's NDAA or um, other legislation that specifically looks at DOL vets authorities and then looking at the appropriations to go along with it. So it's anything from less than 12 months from like inception or or concept to FOC to, hey, we're playing a longer game of 18, 24, 36 months to look over the horizon for new and existing programs. I probably shouldn't ask this question, but I'm going to.
0: What about uh, political leaders like senators and congressmen? Do you do a lot of briefings with them about the policies and procedures?
2: On occasion. Um, So the political leadership within Department of Labor, I'm aligned with the Assistant Secretary of Labor for Veteran Employment and Training Services. So that's a presidential appointed, Senate confirmed position. Um, As you can imagine, there's a lot of testimony that happens, a lot of interaction with the executive or the legislative branch. Um, I serve in a uh, senior advisor role in that relationship. Um, So really helping them understand the context of how policies and programs are operationalized and what the impact is at the boots on the ground service to military families and service members level. And then receiving that feedback from the services to bring uh, back over to Department of Labor and their engagements with the Hill. But it's a... uh, and. Uh, a close relationship with the legislative affairs teams for both SMA, the SEAC, and the other service SELs for some crosstalk in there because, all, as you well know, all of the service senior enlisted leaders go before uh, Congress and testify, and it's helpful to understand what the interagency teams are doing. So how,
0: well, I, I, last question, I promise you on this on this area, here, how do we get that information down to the bowels of the military? So the, I, I know you're going through the senior enlisted and probably I know a lot of times it was hard for me to, you know, what I say and what goes on at the bottom is two different things. So how, is there an information paper or something you flow down to? I know the Sergeant Major of the Army knows those guys will share information, but is there something that you do to share that information with the families and service members?
2: It's dependent on service greatly. Um, Some of the services, I have much more uh, individualized contact, the Marine Corps, for example. Uh, Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps has invited, and I've, over the last 18 months, um, briefed at Quantico at the Marine Corps First Sergeant's Course. But Marine Corps is unique where they can bring all their first sergeants together, you know, twice a year for an actual course. Yeah. Um, the services that are larger, it's generally with the service member and family programs directorates. Um, so Army would be ACS, Navy, Fleet and Family Services, the Air Forces, Airmen and Family Services, um, really engaging with those program offices to inform their content and the teams that they have out on the ground that are delivering services at the installation. Um, you know, an army brief at the nominative leaders course, uh, but getting down to battalion level where quite honestly, and below um, that first line leader uh, that is primarily accomplished through the services, service member and military family programs, respective to
0: the service. Yeah. I remember one time I, the chiefs, I told them, we're, you know, when I got hired as a Sergeant Major Army, I said, we I'm going to help you uh, educate people about transition. And he said something that, that stuck, that resonated with me and it never went away. He said that we can talk about transition to the, do- the, the day we both leave, and there'll still be people that don't know anything about transition out of the military. So it's a, you're doing a heck of a good job in in really helping a lot of people. We're talking with Sergeant Major Christopher Rick about the Sergeant Major of the Army's Fellowship Program, and you're listening to your next mission podcast with me, your host, Jack Altilli, 12th Sergeant Major Army. So major uh, we focus our uh, our podcast mainly on transition and and how and how do those that's already transitioned get access to you know all that employment support that you guys talk about I mean if I'm already retired you know how can I still get assistance
2: Yeah that's a great question so the Department of Labor is the employment arm of the federal government and the way that they operationalize that <clears throat> is through an extensive network of state workforce systems funded by Department of Labor through various grant vehicles. There are over 2,400 American job centers across all states and territories. Within those American job centers, there are over 2,000 Department of Labor vets uh, funded uh, employment specialists that specifically provide services to veterans and military spouses and transitioning service members. So a veteran that's been out of service for a decade can walk into the American Job Center and dependent on the classification, if they're a disabled veteran, then they receive a higher level of direct services. Mm-hmm. If they're a veteran, then they have one-on-one kneecap to kneecap employment services from a specialist within those American Job Centers that really understands how to utilize the full menu of Department of Labor's um, employment support uh, capabilities. Looking at worker inter- Innovation Opportunity Act uh, funding that goes to the states all the way to the grant funding that supports uh, expansion of apprenticeship with a priority service for veterans and military spouses. So they are everywhere across the country. There's a finder tool on DOL.gov. But each of the states has many American job centers in their, their local communities.
0: Uh, along those lines, I guess they just go to the Department of Labor website. Is that who you recommend if I'm, you know, if I've been out of a
2: while, What, how do I search for that information? So the, the best way to do it is veterans.gov. Um, that will take them straight into DOL's veteran-specific space. And then there are tabs within that for a veteran that is looking for a job. You click on that tab and it will bring them to um, Department of Labor's ETA uh, Career One Stop military um, panel that really looks at all of the resources that are available for them. So Veterans.gov is the way to get into it, and then from there um, they can access different uh, services within DOL. Yeah,
0: along those lines, how did those uh, those departments of labor recognize you know leaders uh, that are hiring more veterans? you know, they're really out there hiring veterans. I'm mean, a lot of, I always tell people that a lot of people talk about hiring veterans, but they really, quite frankly, only talk about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's really kind of the the way I phrase it is the difference between veteran friendly and veteran ready. Yeah. Because that that's a big distinction within the employer space. So three years ago, Department of Labor started the Hired Vets Medallion Program. This was a, a legislative initiative that recognizes from the Secretary of Labor uh, employers who hire, retain, and develop veterans within their workforce. And there's a small, medium, and large category based on the size of the organization and different requirements that are very, very objective, looking at the number of veterans hired, the number retained, and the size of the organization. Um, and then what they do is each year the, the Secretary of Labor awards them this hire bets Medallion Award and then all the graphics that can go on their website. And more importantly, um, there is a um, hirevets.gov platform that identifies by location all of those recipients over the last three years. And that's actually delivered to transitioning service members during their transition employment class. So they know if I'm going back to Illinois and I look at the state of Illinois and there's 25 HireVet vet awardees in that state, I can click on those organizations that I know are already ready to receive me, will hire me um, if they have job positions open, and more importantly, they know what to do with me. So as a veteran, I'm coming in that organization to a culture that's supportive of a transitioning service member, and they're going to develop me and move me through their their organizational structure. So it's, my opinion, a great program. You know, I hope there's a lot of people listening today.
0: You put out a lot of great information. I have one more question before we take a quick break. What about small businesses? A lot of people, and there's a lot of people when they get out you know, really get hired by a lot of small businesses. DOL work with a lot of small companies?
2: We do. Yeah. Um, so the uh, Small Business Administration has a, a, a veterans arm that does a lot of the work. They are an interagency partner with Department of Labor <coughs> Vets. As a matter of fact, their senior director came from DOL Vets and they are fully integrated with the team, um, really identifying the opportunities for small businesses to hire and retain veterans and highlighting. The Because quite honestly, small businesses is what builds and runs America, highlighting the opportunities for the transitioning service members to either start their own small business through SBA, the Boots to Business course, or be employed by small businesses when they transition. So really good relationship there.
0: Well, Sergeant Major, just listening to this first part of the podcast, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Your Next Mission
2: podcast.
1: This Your Next Mission podcast is made possible by the Cavalry Agency. They help brands dominate no matter their size. Ideas, strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Learn more at Cavalry.com. Navy Federal Credit Union the most trusted credit union owned by members of the military community serving all branches of the armed forces and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Purdue Global, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults. Learn more about a personalized, innovative and world-class education at PurdueGlobal.edu. Veterans United Home Loans the number one VA lender for five straight years. If you're buying, they're funding your dreams. Learn more at VeteransUnited.com.
0: Welcome back. I'm the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack Eltail, and we're blessed to be here today with Sergeant Major Christopher Rick. And uh, really, we're at one of my favorite parts of the podcast, where we get to hear from a veteran about their transition. We're lucky to have, today to have a veteran in uh, Sergeant Major Christopher Rick with us today. And I, I know you haven't transitioned yet, but uh, what recommendations, uh, you know, would you want to tell family members and, and active duty service members about their transition? Any recommendations you have?
2: At, so after spending over two years in this kind of unique fellowship role, looking specifically at the transition space um, and things that go very well and things that quite honestly could be improved on, I would say that my number one recommendation to those that are getting close to their transition window, and I'm talking 24 to 12 months, is to take some time and really consider what Adventure 2.0 looks like for them post-service. Too often, I find, that service members put off considering transition until it's right in front of them, and then they rush through the transition, uh, you know, tap classes, and they take the first thing that's available. Either it's because it's it's a lot of money, or it's a location that they want to go to, or because it's necessity. And they end up landing in the wrong organizations that don't have a good fit for them culturally. That you know their values aren't consistent with the values of the organization that they go after for employment. And they end up resigning from the position or changing position in less than a year. Um, so, lesson learned is. Really spend some time up front identifying what's important to you as an individual in your post-service employment career, whether it's consideration of family, location, and industry type that you want to go into, um, and then utilize the services because it is an overwhelming sea of services that are out there, both interagency supported and then all of the stakeholders and supporters in space to really narrow down that shock group so you can find that good post-service employment outcome. And really, you know, move into a position quickly to get to your full potential in your career for, you know, lifelong earnings and, and enjoying post-service life. So yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, it's
0: funny you say that because I was one of those guys that uh, waited to the last minute. Uh, and I always make excuses for it. I, I think a lot of times that your senior leaders and uh, a lot of the services wait until the last minute. Now, now, a lot of them have jobs and opportunities and stuff, but but a lot of them wait until the last second to do to transition or start that process and they really miss out on a lot so i I, uh, I think starting you said it a minute ago you know 12 to 24 months i really think it's 24 months uh, you ought to start that process and i think the other thing is and uh, your education uh, i have a mentor mm-hmm. there's a lot of little small things that uh, people talk about and, and i think they just sort of forget about and uh, and they struggle we have a lot of veterans that get out there and struggle so sergeant major i can't thank you enough for sharing your insights when it comes to transition uh, because that you've really put out a lot of great information for our veterans and families that they uh, that they really need to listen to. I want all of our listeners to reach out to me and directly. Uh, I don't mean that I, I mean that directly. Uh, tell us about your transition. Tell us what topics you'd like us to cover on this podcast. You know this podcast is not oh uh, Jack Tilly's. It's your podcast, and I want to do everything I can to help you. So you can call me or or text me at eight four four. and I'll reach out to you. I'll actually call you uh, if you got some issues or problems. I'll call you and and see if we can work whatever your issue is out with you. Or send me an email at smatilly at yournextmission.org. Okay, let's pick it up where we left off. You're listening to Your Next Mission podcast, and I'm Jack Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. We're talking to Sergeant Major Christopher Rick, Senior Military Fellow for the Department of Labor, serving on behalf of the Department of Defense and the United States Coast Guard. Uh, we're heading into our final segment with you today and I, I hope you've had a, enjoyed it just as much as I have. And I just have a few more questions. Uh, Sergeant Major, can you tell us uh, where the Sergeant Major of the Army's fellowship program is headed and what does it look
2: like in the future? So, um, as I said, you know, the Department of Labor was the first one that SMA Dan Daly started uh, and then it's expanded to VA, specifically the Veterans Benefit Administration. Department of Education. Now the VA uh, senior fellow is really focused on all things benefits and the coordination of that concurrent receipt of benefits at transition. So that's a a big move that they're trying to go into. So service members that are transitioning from active duty to that veteran status, um, if they really would receive any benefits for disability rating or otherwise, that starts day one. Uh, So that's a big push that they're really, really, that that he is really spearheading with the services. And then in Department of Education, our counterpart there is working with all of the services universities and the Department of Education for the SIP Code crosswalk so that the POI that's delivered in service um, better matches and is accredited or recognized by the Civilian Education Institutes. So there's a lot of technical um, education coordination that happens in that space. So Steve Townsend is really moving forward on that. Um, and then, you know, look into the future. So there's three of us now. Uh, there have been other federal agencies that have asked for grow. SMAs. Yeah, they, they, they want them, right? They want yeah. us to come over. But really the question is, what's the relationship between that interagency and Department of Defense? Is, is it a role or is it is it a relationship that would really benefit from, um, you know, placing a, a senior um, Sergeant Major in that position because there's got to be a bill payer. We are all part of the SMA's uh, Nominative Program Office, so we're G.O. Uh, level sergeants major that are working in these interagency fellowships. So, you know, I, th- I think the uh, the writing or the the question's still out there, and it's it's too early to kind of tell. Will it expand, um, or will we move into a different role post fellowship uh, from a utilization standpoint? So that's that's kind of the the area that we're trying to help, honestly, SMA Grinston make decisions on um, as all of us transition out and kind of move into that life after fellowship. I, I tell you,
0: you probably spoil all the people over where you're working right now, because uh, having somebody from the enlisted force are really getting the ground truth. Not to say the general officers don't give them the ground truth, but but it's a little different perspective between uh, an enlisted guy telling you what reality is and a general officer, because you walked in their shoes and you know uh, you know, all that's going on. So I uh, I, I appreciate all you're doing. And, and one of the things I always liked about it is uh, keep fighting. You got to fight for as much room as you can. You got to get as many people in there, uh, senior non-commissioned officers that that can get in there and educate our Congress and our Senate about, you know, about the struggles that our families and our veterans make each and every day. And, and I think, uh, you know, we do the best we can, but we can always improve. And uh, guys like uh, guys like you are doing that. Sergeant Major, any final thoughts? Anything that uh, you we may have missed, or you want to share? I know I I probably asked you too many questions, but but you you have such a, a great uh, a great personality, great information, and I would hope uh, that the information that you had does get out to the bowels of the military, to all services, because I think uh, there's a lot of stuff that you covered today that is just just
2: unbelievable, and it's good information. You know, and I thank you for that, SMA Tilly. You know, at the end of the day, I'm serving on behalf of um, military service members and military families and veterans and understand that that my role um, needs the feedback from actual, you know, boots on the ground where stuff is happening. Um, So I I understand that as this podcast goes out, um, my information may be included in that and would welcome any feedback that any of the listeners might be able to provide me. Um, both good and hey, there's are some areas that need to improve because employment outcomes are, you know, not not happening the way that they potentially should be um and and just really really appreciate the opportunity today to come on and and talk a little bit about what's happening on behalf of all of DOD uh in the interagency space
0: well I tell you I'd I'd love to have you on the program again because I think you have a lot of good information this is the first time on the show uh and you can share so much with so many so I'd I'd want you to keep thinking about what can you share with the audience in the future because we'd love to have you come back thanks again to Sergeant Major Christopher Rick and I'm Jack Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major in Army, and you've been listening to Your Next Mission podcast, and thank you for listening today. Please visit us on our website, yournextmission.org, and leave me a review. Hopefully, it's a good review now. You can also visit our partners there who can provide you with so many services that will assist you in your transition from the military. Also, visit our corporate partners and, and see all the jobs that are available for you. Please know we want to assist you any way we can. Please follow us on our, my personal social media channels at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and, and LinkedIn. Thanks again to Sergeant Major Christopher Rick for being on with us today, and it was, it was just great having him on the podcast. And don't forget, we want to hear from you. Please leave me a message or send me a text at 844-424-1134 or send me an email at smatilly at yournextmission.org. I want to end each podcast with a little story about me and my experiences in the Army and in my life. And you know, I always love talking about me. But today, I think I'll just I'll just talk about transition because that's what we're always talking about. You know, I was reading something the other day, and I was talking about this Sergeant Major of the Army about uh, about preparing for his retirement. You know, he's uh, about two years out, and he's already started that uh, that process. You know, if the if the current Sergeant Major of the Army can prepare himself uh, you know uh, 24 months out to to get out of the service you can too it's about preparing yourself for the next step of life and there's a lot of jobs out there but uh, think about your education think about where you want to live and and think about all the things that you want to do in your next life after the military just don't wait to the last second like me uh, i waited to the last second i didn't have as many struggles that i thought i probably would but uh, I wish I had started that process, just like the current Sergeant Major of the Army. So uh, don't be like me, start 24 months out and start getting ready. Again, thank you for listening and thanks to Cloudcast Media and of course our our four presenting sponsors, Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global and Veterans United Home Loans. We appreciate all you do for our military. See you on the high ground. Hooah!
1: You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org. Cloudcast Media.